This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We're wrapping up a series today. We've been in a summer series entitled Hope for the Home. And I have had just such a wonderful time over the last few weeks teaching some good fundamental Christian home values. As you know, because I've mentioned it many, many times this summer, most of Sundays, uh, if I'm in the pulpit, it's going to be uh, evangelistic. It's going to be reaching for the new believer to come and make a decision for Christ. But I felt strong on my heart in, in the month of June to really go into July and do some teaching to our families. Now, I know that 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 probably came about for many different reasons. Maybe some things I was feeling in my spirit. Maybe some obvious things that I was going through with some, some of our homes represented in the church. But needless to say, whatever it was that, that, that brought me to this, I can tell you on this last Sunday that it has been a home run. The testimonies I'm receiving, the phone calls and emails, not just complimentary of of the content, but life change has been taking place. And you know what? I'm a firm believer, and I believe everyone can say amen, that if you submit to the Word of God, if you'll do it God's way, and you'll, and you'll throw away what culture says. You'll throw away what pop psychology says. And really, let's, let's not trick out the word of God. The word of God is the word of the Lord. And if you'll just apply the word of God, and here's another way I'm going to say it. <clears throat> if you'll work God's plan for your life, it works. <laughs> if you'll work what God has put into place, it will work. And most of our issues that we deal with is just because we're not working Uh, what God has already given us. The first Sunday of the series, we talked about little foxes. And we talked about the little foxes that want to ruin your vineyard in bloom. And it was a, a, a primary message that focused on the marriage, the idea of marriage, the blessing of marriage. And that I'm witnessing in this local church, and I can say that it's all over the world, especially here in our country, That the marriage of man and woman is under great attack. The covenant, the coming together of man and woman, forming a God-centered home is under attack. And I believe that most of the time when there is an attack made, it's by the little things. The little things that make its way into the home that become big things because we either chose not to see them or or we just never recognize them being an issue. Then the second week, what we did was we we talked about honoring the home team. And we had a little fun from a sports illustration concerning home team versus the visitor team or the away team. And when it's all said and done, what matters most to you is your faith and your family. Your home team is not just your marriage, but it's your babies, it's your kids, it's your parents going upline. If you remember the illustration, we talked about an upline, a downline, and a sideline. That's your home team. And what God wants you to do is make your home team your priority. We all have to have a job, but jobs don't come before faith and family. 
We all have to have a hobby to, to stay sane sometimes. Can I get an amen? But that hobby, it's not as important as faith and family. So honor the home team. And then last week, what we did, we, we, we took last <clears throat> Sunday and we discussed financial peace. Financial peace. Finances do not have to be the stress that it is currently, uh, that it currently is in the majority of homes. Finances can be a peaceful topic. It could be a peaceful uh, weapon to use for your good if you have control over it and you manage it properly. The biblical uh, approach was we saw in the word of the Lord last week that God has a plan for you and your finances. And if you will work that plan instead of finances working you over, then you'll have peace rather than stress. Can I get an amen? Amen. So today I conclude this series, Hope for the Home, with this subtopic this morning, and it's simply this, the church, the church. I come to the pulpit blessed. I am one blessed, fortunate, lucky man. I have health in my body today. I have a beautiful wife. I have two beautiful children. I have clothes on my back, food on my table. I have shelter. I have transportation. I guess I could just simply wrap it all up with stating something that I feel is obvious for every single one of us in the room. I want to remind you of it one more time that we are blessed of the Lord. Somebody say amen this morning. I know it's uh, maybe a uh, timing thing, and I try my best not to bring politics to the pulpit, but I will remind you, no matter which side of the aisle wants to speak, I think we can all agree that we're blessed to be in America, and we're blessed to be in the land of the free. We're very, very, very fortunate men and women that are in this room today. But there's something else I want to bring up. I want to bring something else up that's the, one of the absolute biggest blessings in my life. And it was as a child in southwest Louisiana, I was introduced to the church, to the local church of the living God. There are churches on every corner, it seems. There are churches in every city, in every state, There are churches all around the world. And I want to stand here this morning with all of you and just tell you that my life would not be the life it is if it were apart from the church. The church has been so good to me. I don't know if you could agree because some of you, you're, you're new to the church. Some of you are new to Christ, so therefore you're new to his, his body, his, his family. But for me, I'm like some of you. If it weren't for the church, I never would have met my wife because we met at church. If it weren't for the church, uh, not just because it's a career or profession, if it weren't for the church, I wouldn't know any of you. We wouldn't be able to have friendship and community The church has been the biggest blessing outside of the head of the church, which is the Lord, Jesus Christ. The church has been the biggest blessing in my life. 
Where did it all start? Well, in the word of the Lord, in the book of Matthew chapter number 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he wanted to know, he wanted to know what they thought or who they thought that he really was. Who are, what's the word on the street? Who are men and women saying that I am? Who do you think I am? Christ was inquiring of those that were closest to him. And believe it or not, even some of them got the answer wrong. But there was one. His name was Peter. And Peter spoke up. And he spoke up with great confidence. And he said, who are you? Oh, well, you are the Christ. Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And of course, Christ responded with, I don't know, you didn't just come up that with your own, but that was revealed to you by my Father. There's only one way that you could speak such great revelation, and that is that it was revealed to you. It had to be a work of the Spirit in you to give you an understanding of who I am. And he was so moved, not with just the person of Peter, but he was so moved with the statement that thou art the Christ, that you could see the, you could see the stirring of God and you could see the moving of God in Christ's voice when he spoke the words. Now, Peter, upon this rock, upon this revelation, upon that powerful statement, I will build my church. And need we not forget that he followed that powerful statement up that I will build my church. He then said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church started, the church started being built when Christ started building his team. When he started investing in people, matter of fact, there were a bunch of fishermen. If you recall the story, they were fishermen. They were fishing uh, for a living. And Christ said, I want you to put down your nets and I want you to follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that they straightway, they immediately left their nets on the shoreline and they went with Jesus. And now we see him starting to gather his team, gather his people. And of course, in the book of Acts, we see the New Testament church launched. It was launched into existence and a great revival started. And of you, uh, you and I today are a product of that New Testament church's move. Everyone say, thank God, thank God. for the church. Now, the church that we're speaking of, just to be clear, and I believe that each, each and every one of you, are, uh, you have the uh, capacity uh, to understand this, but just to cover our bases. The church is not just a building, whether it be at 700 McPherson Road or in all due respect, whether it be the church that's on Highway 1187 with, in, in Pastor Glidden's flock. The church is not just a building. It's not just the one on the other side of town. It's not the one in South Texas or North Texas or even in America. The church is the body of believers that Christ gave his own life for. One of the great all-time sermons preached in this pulpit was by my bishop in Ron Lyles, and it was the church, the one that that was purchased by the blood, by his own blood. He gave his all to give birth to the church. It's not just a building, 
because as this local assembly, Calvary Church of Fort Worth, as some of you, there's a small remnant of you that recall one time you had a previous building. It was in the mid-70s when it was set ablaze by an arson and that building burned to the ground. There's a handful here in our congregation that remember the journey moving from that location to purchasing this piece of property at 700 McPherson Road. That's proof that the church is not regulated, it's not tied to, it's not stuck in just a building. I'm thankful to know that it's bigger than that. And I'm thankful to know that it's not creating uh, divisions from church to church. But if it's a church that's built on Bible-centered, Bible-believing facts that Jesus is the head of the church, then ladies and gentlemen, that's the church that's been a blessing to all of us. Someone clap your hands to the Lord this morning. <clears throat> the church that Christ speaks of here are the men and the women and the students and the children that are followers of Jesus Christ that come together to honor God, but we also come together to encourage one another. I'm sure that there's a few people in, the, uh, in this local assembly just because of personality differences than myself. Uh, I know that there's some in here that when, I, when you see me coming down the hallway, you just get so nervous because you're not a hugger and you just wanna shake hands and Without fail, I typically cross the line and pull you in and we, we hug. And, and then there's those that don't really enjoy bumping knuckles, so we bump knuckles anyway. Then there's others that don't really like the high five, so I ask you for the low five and then I move my hand and you still don't get the joke. And then there's others like Miss Karen Pierce that we just go and leave it at that. But we don't only just come together to honor God, do we? We come together to honor God, but we come together to encourage one another. Because the church is not just a building. It's the men and the women that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're of like faith. We don't look alike. We don't, we don't have the same uh, characteristics in our physical bodies. We don't have the same last name. We don't come from the same backgrounds. There are different nationalities represented in the church. There's different colors of skin in the church. There's different ages in the church. Both genders are represented in the church. There, there's, there's just a plethora of differences in the church. But what brings us together is the love of God and the encouragement of one another. And may I just say in the, in the very forefront of this sermon that if you're looking for hope in the home, if you're looking for hope in your household, in your family, if your home team needs something to believe in, it is believing in Jesus and believing in the local church because it's the church of the living God. Someone clap your hands one more time to the Lord. It's not just a place. It's his body, it's alive, it's moving, it's life-changing, it's life-giving. The church is a conveyor of hope that things don't always have to be the way they've always been, but the church gives a little bit of hope to the hurting, to the lost, and to the broken. 
In the book of Genesis, we see a type of church that was built by a man named Noah. It's a type of the church today. Noah took his hammer, took his saw, and he built everything by a word from God. And he structured an ark. He structured a boat. What he was building was a safe place. What he was building was a warm place. What he was building was a welcoming place. And Noah built an ark, a place that would welcome anyone and everyone that was willing to come. A place that had a really big front door and it made sure that it didn't have a back door. A place that said to whosoever will, but once you were in, it was a place you didn't want to leave. And just as Noah built that ark, he built it for these purposes, to keep you out of the elements and to keep you on top of your problems. And ladies and gentlemen, can I just preach to you for a few minutes on this Sunday morning in this last session of Hope for the Home. If you're looking for something that can keep you out of the elements of this culture, to keep you out of the elements of this world that's gone crazy, to keep you out of the elements, not, no, 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 don't, don't misunderstand. We'll always have to engage with our fellow man. If not, you'll slide into a cultish-like mindset and you will cut yourself away from culture completely. And that's not the will of God for the church. The will of God for the church is to be salt and light. Can I have an amen? But I will tell you that the church of the living God, the will, the will of God for its church is not to get lost into culture. That's why we are a separated people. That's why we are a city up on a hill. That's why we should be ever so shining brightly before men. Can I have an amen this morning? But the church, what it does, it keeps you out of the elements of the world and it keeps you on top of your problems. Now, I want to make a statement here this morning because, uh, you know, I grew up my whole life in the South. I'm very familiar with our traditions. I'm very familiar with some of the generational traditions that have been passed down through time. Membership of a church has never and will never save anybody. Church doesn't save you. Somebody say this out loud. Say, Jesus saves, but the church keeps you. You can't be saved outside of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of his grace and mercy. But once you come into the family of God, it's the church, whether it's the one down the street, whether it's the one up in in Chicago, whether it's the one in Florida, it's the church that is a biblically centered, God-focused, spirit-led church of the living God that will keep you. Somebody say amen. You know, all month long, I've been doing my best not to preach too much. I feel a little preach coming in me right now. Thank God that, uh, that, 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 that Brother Keith uh, has already stepped down from that organ because it's just kind of, when I start thinking about the church, but, but, and I think it's because I just know what the church has done in my life. It's kept me. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot afford to put our heads in the sand and ignore the reality 
that each and every one of us are witnessing around the world. This world, our world, is in trouble. The challenges that face each and every one of us, they range from cultural unrest. They range from political challenges to economic challenges. They range from national and global terror. And the list goes on and on and on. And while many a pulpit, I believe with good intentions and motives, speak words of fear, speak words of of retreat, speak words of defensive posture, may this pulpit say there's still hope for our homes. And as crazy as the world has gone and may I say as crazy as it will continue to become, we do not have to be on the defensive because we're a part of the church of the living God. And this is what the Bible says is that if you want to have hope in your home and if you want to have hope in your community, of which we do, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if my people... Someone say those words, my people. Now let's partner that with the church. If my people, those that I gave my life for, those that I gave my all for, those that follow me, those that that follow my ways and my teachings, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Someone say pray. Pray. And if they'll seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, there's hope. There's hope. And there's hope for your home. If we'll pray, if we'll seek the face of God, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive them of their sin and I'll heal their land. If there's ever been a time that we need to pour ourselves into the church, The time is now. Let's clap our hands one more time to the Lord. Calvary's kids ministry here in this local assembly, it exists to provide your little children a place to belong. Calvary's Kids Ministry is a place that's safe. It's God-centered. It's Bible-centered. And it exists to teach the truth of the word of the Lord at an early age that will last a lifetime. I want to just do a quick hands-up survey. If you're here in this nine o'clock service at Calvary Church on this, the 24th day of July, and you are a product of children's ministry. Now, of course, I grew up in an era where the terminology was Sunday school, and I still respect any of the terminology, but it was all children's-based ministry. If you're a product of children's ministry in your childhood, I want you to raise your hand and leave it up real quick. All over this room, by far, the majority of men and women in this service today, at some point in your childhood, you were taught the word of the Lord by a kind and loving individual that poured his or herself into you 
at an early age. And now this local church has the wonderful blessing of having you sitting in its pews today. Your jobs are blessed to have you employed in that organization today. Your neighborhood is very fortunate to have you living on their streets today. Your children are fortunate to have you as a mom and dad because of someone else's time and resource and love that was poured into you as a child. The reason this church puts children's ministry out there in the forefront is because we know that by the time all of us, I say it kindly and respectfully, that by the time all of us are dead and gone, that these pews can't afford to be empty. The church can't afford to go away, but it must be added to. How do we add to the church? We add it by revival, but we also add it by bringing up the next generation. That's how you add to it. Ladies and gentlemen, if I can call on you that is in this service today, we're celebrating our big vacation Bible school. It's a big Sunday for us. But can I tell you, once VBS is over, children's ministry will continue on. And there are men and women in this room right now that we so, we so welcome you to be a part of building the next church, Calvary Church, of building it. You say, well, how, how can I do that? Arlene, you know how they do it because Arlene is here today. She's been away from Calvary for several weeks due to an accident. But Arlene, for 25 years or more, has been serving in Calvary's kids. And there will be generations of children that will grow. And by faith, I believe that will continue here in this local church because of your love and because of your efforts. And I honor you here in this service today, Miss Arlene Luca. But that's just one. Miss Renita, I see you. I know you serve there. Others that serve, I honor you. If I'm overlooking you, it's my apologies. But I do know this. It's a children's ministry that desperately needs the buy-in and the support and the more and more and the more and the more of you. And you say, well, what, what can I do? What you're going to do is not just teach material. Anybody can do that. What you're going to do is invest in what's been invested into you, and that's the church. What about all-out student ministry? I'm preaching about hope for the home. When I think about this student ministry at this church. It's a place, just as the ark, to keep students out of the elements of life, to shelter them from the elements. And it's also a place to keep them on top of their problems. The problems of dysfunctional homes, the problems of challenges in the, in, in the school system, the problems with everything that this culture wants to throw at them. They've got to have somewhere to be able to come out of the difficulties of the world and find some sense of sanity and some sense of godliness, some sense of holiness, some sense of, of, of devotion and commitment because the culture is not going to provide that. But what does? It's the church. And if you really want hope for your home, it's not going to be found in an election booth. Hope for your home is not going to be found with maybe a, a pay increase on your job, which would be a blessing, but that's not going to give you the hope that you need. Where is hope found? It's found in the church. Yes. What about... Yes. Why do we have a building a facility that's named the Connection Station. And I know that that name doesn't necessarily tell you much, but let me tell you what it is. It's a little 2,500 square foot building 
that a whole lot of love has been poured into to provide a safe place for special needs individuals. Why would you put the resource into a building for special needs individuals? Can't they be put in a back room? Yeah, in culture, but not in the house of the living God. Why, why do you staff it? Why do, why, do you put, why do you put all the technology in it? Why do you make it so nice when, when you know, there's special needs. They don't really contribute much. Are you kidding me? They're the children of the living God. And how the church operates is not big eyes and little U's. The church doesn't operate as this group's more important than this group. The church operates as we were all sinners. And we've all been touched by the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And why the church exists is to give hope for the home. To all of you that are have a loved one in our special needs ministry. I pray in the name of the Lord that you receive the hope from this church. The hope that, you know, you can come to church and, and have yourself a time to be able to come and be refueled by the love and the, and the word of God without the, the struggle and the, and the stress that you're under every other day of the week. When I think about Calvary Church, I think about the launching of our small group ministry. It's a ministry to give you connection with one another. It's a ministry that exists to give hope for your home that you could, you could play golf together or you could do Bible studies together or you could do lunches together, that you could do travels together, that you could ride bikes together and the list goes on and on. I probably should have written them down because right now I'm just pulling some that, that I know of off the top of my head. I think of the most recent one that will be launched on September the 11th. It's a small group that gives hope to the single mother. To the lady that's pregnant out of wedlock, it gives hope that while culture says, oh, you've messed up, while culture says, man, you've got a tough row to hoe ahead of you, while culture says, man, I would consider aborting that child, while culture says, how in the world are you gonna make it? Look, you, you've really messed your life up. But yet this church says, you know what? We're gonna give you hope because you're not gonna go through this alone. You're gonna go through this with someone holding your hand and patting your back and, and oh, Pastor Tommy, are you, you're condoning? Absolutely, I'm condoning the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for whosoever will. That's exactly what we condone. And I'm telling you, we're gonna be like Noah's Ark. We're gonna have the biggest front door and say, come on in because we wanna give you hope that things don't always have to be the way they's always, uh, that they've always been. That there's a better way. It's God's way. Let me close with this today. This church exists for this sole purpose. The reason why Calvary Church was, was started and the reason why it cur currently is, is, is trending in its place of revival and growth are for these reasons. We exist to tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. Someone say amen. We exist to tell the world that Jesus not only wants to save you, but God wants to get you free out of all of your issues. Because there's a whole bunch of saved people still dealing with struggles of their past. And the will of God for you is to get set free from your issues. It's not God's plan for you to just be saved and still be addicted. It's not God's plan for you to just be saved and still struggling through all of your problems. God's plan is for you to get set free from your issues. 
God's plan for your life is to be saved, set free from your issues, and for you to also find out what your true purpose is in life, where you now can help others in making a difference in their life. That's God's plan. Someone say, thank God for the church. It's what keeps me. But let me say something else. The church doesn't just keep me through this world. It's the church that's going to take me out of this world. Can I just preach a little bit to somebody this morning? I'm reaching for some of our elders that are represented here that I love and respect, and I value you so much. Some of you have been living for the Lord for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Can I just come by on this Sunday morning, and, and, and can I just, just kind of urge you to go back one more time and, and recall that it's the church of the living God that's going to be caught up to be with the Lord. The church has kept you through the changes of our culture. The church has kept you out of the, the elements of life. The church has kept you on top of your problems through many, many years of you following after Jesus. But I got good news for you. The church doesn't close its door at that point of, of, of you passing on or at the rapture because it's the church that's going to be caught up to be with the Lord. This is how the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall de descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together. Someone say together. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds, the church, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Stand with me this morning. One day, that eastern sky will split. It will split wide open. The trumpet of God will be sounding, and you and I, the church, will take a trip. Somebody said it years ago that it was the good old gospel ship that we'll be taking that trip on. That ark, if you will. The safe place, the warm place, the place that provides hope. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're flipping through your news this week and you see all of the hurt all of the pain, all of the worry, and all of the stress. When you clock in at work and you find your cubicle and you wipe your eyes and you start that long, hard work day and someone comes by and they mention something tragic, stressful, chaotic, troublesome. When you're at the place of retail doing business and you overhear someone telling all about their problems, or possibly when you sit down at your own dinner table with those that you care about the most and all of a sudden you find yourselves discussing painful, troublesome, burdensome topics. May I just remind you, as the family of God, as the church, that we have a hope. We have a hope. And while this world doesn't understand it, they didn't understand Noah when he was building that ark. 
They didn't understand why those men would walk away from their nets and follow Jesus. They didn't understand those in the book of Acts that were running around trying their best to get everybody they could introduced to Jesus. While the world may not understand you, you could look at the world and tell them, I'm at peace in a world that's gone mad because I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just passing through this world. My hope is in the Lord. My marriage doesn't have to be broken. My family doesn't have to be dysfunctional. My finances, they don't have to be stressful. And my future doesn't have to be dark because I've got a hope. It's in Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for this closing session of this series. I'm praying, Lord, that within my own limits, within my own weaknesses of communication, as I oftentimes, well, Lord, I just question if I ever truly get the message across. I pray that somehow today that the message was taking root in the heart of every man and woman in this room. Let someone step away from the canvas of life and get the big picture once again. Why did they come to know you anyway? They didn't come to know you just to solve a problem in this world. Well, that that is one of the benefits. You help us through this world. Lord, the problem was they were lost and they needed a savior. I pray, Lord, that they're reminded today from a big picture angle, from a world's view, an an eternity perception that they have hope that through it all that you are their Lord and Savior. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I would like to close this Sunday reaching reaching for the man or the woman or possibly the family that's represented today. I want to reach for your heart by the help of the Lord. If you need a little touch from God, if you need forgiveness of sin, if you just need a good old dose of hope of the Lord deposited into your heart, I want to pray for you specifically. Would you lift your hand today? If you need to make a return to Jesus or possibly this is your first time to come to the Lord and you're ready to give your heart to God and call on his name for, for his love and grace and mercy. I know this is a wide array of questions I'm asking, but I just want a moment with you. For those that have your hands lifted, just keep them up. I wanna, wanna recognize you, pray for you before I dismiss you. I see those hands. God bless you. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus that I pray for these that taken a huge step of faith. They might feel it's just my hand being lifted, but oh, there's so much more going on in their heart. It was a bold, courageous step to lift that hand. I pray right now, Father, that whatever the need is in their life, that they would receive what you're giving. Grace has made it available the blessing of forgiveness of sin, the restoration of their home, the provision that, that they require and need, 
Grace has made it all available. So by faith, in Jesus' name, we reach up and receive it. Enter to their hearts, Lord. Wash them clean by the blood of Jesus. Give them the hope, hope for a better day. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands in closing this morning. Amen. Well, as someone told me yesterday that his vision for our local church is that the sermons would be shorter, I would say that there is hope. Seven minutes to be exact. There's hope. I love you. I pray for you. God bless you. Make sure you hug someone on the way out. Unless they're knuckle bumpers, therefore just bump their knuckles. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.